Greenwich Village to Queens Village, South Beach to Pelham Bay, and right here in zip code 11217 in the borough of Brooklyn. It's 5 p.m. in the five boroughs, and so it's time for Max and Murphy, your interview and call-in show about the policies, politics, and people of New York City and New York State. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Thanks for joining us here on WBAI. Jarrett, good to see you. You as well, Ben. Uh, So we are now full swing into the general election here. We have fewer than six weeks until November 6th. Folks who voted on a Thursday in the primary should recalibrate to going back to Tuesday voting for the general election coming up on November 6th. And we've got, like I said, just under six weeks to go. We're going to be bringing you interviews with many of the candidates running in the general election as we started to do last week with uh, Republican gubernatorial candidate Mark Molinaro. Catch that interview uh, at our respective websites or our podcast streams if you missed it. Um, And we've got some great guests coming up today. That's right. We are looking through some of the many options that will be on ballots for voters across New York State come November 6th. Uh, Today we'll be speaking to Howie Hawkins, who is the Green Party's candidate for governor, and Stephanie Miner, the former mayor of Syracuse, a lifelong Democrat who is now running as an independent on the Serve America line. Yeah, she's starting this Serve America party that is supposed to be a bipartisan effort to sort of get away from the gridlock and the noise and offer people real solutions. So she's running. They're creating this. They've created this ballot line for this election. This is really the first slate of candidates that this group is getting behind. Um, She has a Republican running mate for lieutenant governor, another mayor. Um, and they're really trying to sort of offer this third way, so to speak, uh, not to use a loaded term there, but um, but it'll be interesting to get her perspective. And then, of course, we have Howie Hawkins at the top of the show coming up soon, who is third straight time running as the Green Party nominee for governor, um, has a very developed platform that he's been running on and follows the Green Party line. And he's really trying to now appeal to a lot of these progressive voters in the Democratic Party who might be disenchanted with uh, Governor Cuomo. That's right. And so if you look at last week, we, you mentioned we had uh, Mark Molinaro. We plan in a couple weeks to have Larry Sharp, the libertarian candidate for governor. So on the show, people are going to hear all the uh, basically all the options. All the challengers, all at the least. Challenges. Yes, we've uh, offered Governor Cuomo uh, we, an appearance. We may well hear from him. But but that's really where the question is. I mean, all, all elections featuring an incumbent end up being a referendum on him or her. And this one is particularly so because Cuomo is such a huge figure in the state. And I think coming off the primary, that's the big question is what's going to happen to those Democrats who came out to vote in record numbers, but didn't vote for Governor Cuomo. And I think the people uh, on the air with us today are two of the folks who are presenting them as potential destinations for those voters. 500,000 people voted on uh, September 13th, not for the governor. And what's going to happen to them, I think, is one of the big questions of this election year. So one of the most fascinating statistics out of the primary was that basically the turnout in the Democratic primary for governor, about 1.4, 1.5 million votes, was actually about the number that Rob Astorino, I believe, got as the Republican nominee four years ago against Cuomo. So this Democratic surge of turnout was big in the primary. It's expected to be big in the general election. Now, that 
may pose some real challenges for Mark Molinaro, the Republican nominee this time around, who may have done better in a pre-Trump era um, and may do better in the future in a, in a post-Trump era. But he also may surprise folks um, running as sort of this moderate-ish Republican this this time around. Um, but he's also making a play for some of those Nixon voters because he wants to be the candidate, as he told us last week, who is ethical, focused on solving problems, will help fix the MTA, some of these things that are not necessarily party bound. That's a big uh, factor to think about. And we're going to bring Howie on shortly. But, you know, we talk a lot about ideology and policy on this show because that's where our focus is. But there's no question that in the Democratic primary personality, um, whether you liked or disliked the governor, was a a big part of the story. And I think that will be a part of the story in the general as well. There are folks who are going to agree with Cuomo on most of the issues that come up in those debates with Mark Molinaro, who still might be uh, tempted to vote for for Molinaro because they dislike the governor, his approach to governing, his style, all those all those factors. And that's where all of these challengers are trying to to make a play. And I'll just add one other interesting note coming out of the primary, and we did an article about this at Gotham Gazette, which is you had these 500,000 voters who chose Cynthia Nixon over Governor Cuomo, and the day after the primary where he spoke for the first time, he didn't give a primary night address, he spiked the football he crowed about how there really wasn't that much of a challenge that rose up against him. He didn't come to this press conference that he gave and sit and say, I hear you 500,000 people that did not vote for me and I want to be your governor and I want you to come together behind me for the general election because I am now the Democratic nominee. He mostly dismissed them. And that's a fascinating dynamic to watch, especially as we see what happens with the Working Families Party ballot line. And we can come back to that. Definitely. Right now, let's come to our first guest. He is the Green Party nominee for governor of the state of New York in 2018. He's Howie Hawkins. Uh, Welcome to WBAI. Thank you. It's good to be here. So, uh, Howie, as we ask every candidate who's on our show uh, to do, give us your uh, elevator pitch. Where do you come from and why are you running for governor? Well, I'm from Syracuse. I've been a teamster the last 17 years. Before that, I worked in construction as a carpenter. But I've been an activist in movement since the 1960s. And that's what I bring to the uh, race. And, you know, what I stand for is we need a governor that can solve problems. I mean, this, the people we got in there now can't even find a single day to hold the primary on. Simple problem. Our more serious problem is lead poisoning. I know that New York City's talking about what's going on in NYCHA. You're talking single digits of children. In my city of Syracuse, it's 40% of the children have elevated that. Buffalo, it's 40%. And in uh, Utica, it's 38%. So pick that problem apart for us. Let's, you, you've mentioned a very specific policy problem, so let's talk about it. Howie Hawkins is our governor. How do you attack the lead problem in upstate cities that you've just mentioned? We need building inspectors so everything can be inspected. They need to be trained to find the lead and then certify that when the remediation process is done, they're lead safe. In my city of Syracuse, we don't have that. We don't have enough inspectors to get through the rental units we now have. And that gets back to the austerity that the state has imposed on our local governments by imposing unfunded state mandates, cutting back on revenue sharing, and then just basically under Cuomo saying we're going to limit it at 2%, arbitrary number, without any regard to the actual needs of the people. So you need a, you need a focus on that, the lead abatement. 
and get it done. It's 47 years since the Surgeon General issued an urgent warning about what's happening to our children. There's no excuse for this. It's just like criminal neglect. We're poisoning kids. It affects their neurological development, their motor skills, their cognitive capacities, their emotions, and their behavior. And it's inexcusable. It's something that, as you can tell, I'm pretty angry about. We shouldn't be doing that to children. Hey, Howie, Ben Max here from Gotham Gazette. Uh, good to talk with you. So um, you've obviously outlined there a couple of things that you're running on. Give us a sense of a few more things that you would uh, you would really push to the forefront if you're elected governor. What are a few of the bigger proposals that uh, top your list? Well, we run on the theme of a Green New Deal, and that's the theme of the old New Deal like Roosevelt articulated in his last State of the Union address, the second Bill of Rights, an economic Bill of Rights. Everybody should have the right to a living wage job or an income above poverty, to a decent home, comprehensive health care, a good education. And then we call it the Green New Deal because we got to deal with this climate crisis. So dealing with the climate crisis will create hundreds of thousands of jobs if we pass the New York off bill to get to 100% clean energy by 2030. Um, in terms of education, first thing is to fully fund our schools. In terms of health care, we got the New York Health Act, the single-payer bill. And in housing, I'm all for rent control. But without local control, getting rid of the Erstad law is kind of pointless because you got farmers upstate voting on your regu- regulations downstate. And we don't want people in Staten Island voting on our rent regulations if we get them in Syracuse. So we need local control, and then we need to build affordable housing. And the most cost-effective way to do that is public housing done right, scatter site, human scale, mixed income, so we desegregate as well as provide everybody with affordable housing. So those are the highlights of the platform. And there's criminal justice, ethics reform, a lot of problems we've got to deal with. And this agenda that you're running on, I think you have um, openly discussed, you identify, you know, as a socialist platform and identify as a socialist um, yourself. This this platform would come with a, a much more uh, a higher tax regime. Can you explain sort of that proposal as well? Yeah, the one percent, the top one percent in our state got 12 percent of all income in the state in 1980. Today, they get 31 percent. It's $375 billion going to the 1%. They can pay more in taxes so we can have uh, revitalize our public services and our crumbling infrastructure. So a more progressive income tax structure, which would include cutting the lower brackets. Back in the 70s, the first bracket was 2%. Now it's 4%. And the top bracket back then was 15%. Now it's 8.82 for this millionaire's tax that Cuomo's not even sure he wants to continue. So a more progressive income tax I think that would generate about $10 billion more a year uh, if we kept, instead of rebated, the stock transfer tax, as we've done since 1981. It's been $13 to $16 billion in the last few years. And then there's that windfall from the Trump corporate tax cut that may be as much as $10 billion. So right there, you got $35 billion in potential income. That's less than 10% of that $375 billion that the rich are uh, making. So 
if they paid that, they'd still be very rich. So, and I think we need it for the public sector. And so quickly to follow up on that, you've got Republican Mark Molinaro in the race pledging to slash taxes. You've got uh, Stephanie Miner, who we're going to talk to later in the program, running on an independent line, who basically has said she wants to keep taxes around where they are. Uh, you've got Larry Sharp, the libertarian, wanting to cut taxes. You've got Governor Cuomo, I think, mostly wanting to keep them about where they are, though he'd probably like to cut them a little bit. Um, and, and most of them will warn that if you were to increase taxes, even somewhat incrementally, the the highest income earners that the state is so dependent on right now for revenue um, are mobile enough to, to leave the state in big numbers. Is that something you are concerned about? No, we have academic peer-reviewed studies that say the rich, they don't move, you get lower taxes. And when they do, like Tom Golisano, they still whine about their taxes in New York. I mean, he's got property tax issues, and he must make some income here. Because, you know, when you fill out your tax form at the state level, it asks you if you made money in Yonkers or New York City. So, no, that's, I don't think, what we need to worry about. And people who are wealthy are making their money here. They'd be stupid to leave. So... That's not the issue. Now, these other candidates, I mean, look at the MTA. You know, the fast-forward plan is $37 billion over 10 years. And I just see Cuomo and uh, de Blasio pointing their finger at each other saying, you pay for it. Well, I think progressive taxes is the way we pay for it at the state level, which is a broader tax base, at least for most of it. NYCHA needs $32 billion over five years. If you're going to fully fund foundation aid, that's $4.2 billion behind. We're going to have a real program for tuition-free public colleges. That was estimated when Scoobus had a bill at $1.5 to $2 billion a year. You know, where are people going to get this money, or do they just want everything to fall apart? I think, now, I want to cut taxes on the working class. Like I said, we should go back to 2% as the first bracket, not 4%. And I want to cut the property tax by having the state pay for its unfunded mandates restore revenue sharing, which was 8% of state revenues in the 70s. It's down to four-tenths of 1%. Cuomo's frozen it. And, uh, you know, our cities and towns and counties upstate are really hurting because of that. Let's cut the property tax. You know, Cuomo has this tax cap. They haven't cut the property tax. Maybe slowed the growth a little bit. But, uh, you know, like removing the lead. Where are we going to get the money to do that? We're on uh, WBAI with Howie Hawkins, the Green Party nominee for governor of New York State. If you would like to ask a question of Mr. Hawkins, please call us at 347-335-0818. Howie, looking at numbers in recent elections, the Green Party got less than 1% in 2006, about 42,000 votes with Malachi McCord as the nominee. The past two times you've won, you got about 59,000 in 2010, and then just under 200,000, nearly 5% of the vote four years ago. Uh, that's obviously a, a positive trend. Uh, I, I'm sure you are running to win, but uh, if that doesn't occur, what's a reasonable goal for the Green Party? What kind of a, a dent do you have to make to get the attention that your your message deserves? Well, I think if we got at least as much as we got last time, it would really get uh, whoever's elected's attention. I think that 5% we got certainly got Governor Cuomo's attention because he wanted to roll up the vote. He actually got a lower percentage of the vote in 2014 than he got in 2010. And he had to look, well, what were those Greens talking about? We were talking about them paying on fracking. We got that. Paid family leave. We got that. $15 minimum wage. We really don't have it, but he's saying we got it. I mean, that's a debate we got to have and look at the numbers. 
tuition-free higher education. He brought out Bernie Sanders for his Excelsior scholarship. It really wasn't was advertised, but we got him to talk about it. So we moved the debate, and we got some issues solved. So that's our goal. Our slogan is demand more. We want more reforms. And that's uh, part of what that slogan means. So, you know, I, I think a reasonable goal for us, you know, winning this long shot, is to become the third party on the ballot, jump ahead of the conservatives. The majority of New Yorkers, are, you know, are progressive-minded, and we're an independent progressive party. And really, there are only three parties that were created by candidates. The other five ballot lines are not really parties. They're parties that routinely give their lines to a major party. So it, it would be good. It would be justice for us to end up third and be the because uh, I think we're the real third party in New York. Given the, you know, you hear from voters uh, all the time and you have for years, people fed up with the system, fed up with the major parties, uh, really turned off many in New York State, as you just mentioned, with fairly progressive leanings. Given that, I wonder, why hasn't the Green Party done even better? I mean, there are countries around the world where Greens play a major role in, in governing whole nations. Why has it not taken off here, given that I think a lot of sentiment is is right in your place of the map? Yeah, well, uh, a lot of other countries have proportional representation. So if you're a 20% party, you get 20% of the seats. Here, if you're a 20% party, you maybe get 5% of the vote because people vote the lesser evil to stop the thing they fear most. So that undermines the vote we get. Where we run nonpartisan elections, we're very successful. Local races, California, we have a lot of elected officials. We have over 150 around the country, including, you know, mayors of uh, significant cities like Richmond, California. Gail McLaughlin was uh, mayor there for eight years as a Green and uh, made a number of reforms that have received national attention, reducing the murder rate through community policing and uh, social services for the at-risk youth. Uh, getting Chevron, which has uh, poisoned that community many times, to pay more taxes, and beating Chevron, which put millions of dollars in to try to buy the city council, and uh, the Greens and the Progressive Alliance they are part of beat them back. So, you know, I think we've had impact. I've been involved in the movement since the 60s, you know, from the any Vietnam War movement. We started out as a minority. We beat our heads against the wall. It seemed like we were getting no- nowhere, and then suddenly we broke through. Vietnam War, anti-nuclear power, anti-apartheid, the ban on fracking. I think it, sooner or later we're going to have the same thing for the Green Party as a, a third major party in our country. Let's hear from a caller uh, with a question for Howie Hawkins. Uh, hi, you're on WBAI. All right. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, I hear, Mr. Hawkins, I hear you use the S word, meaning socialism. And it seems as if that word, even though we have socialist policies in this country, it seems as if that word has a lingering effect from, you know, years of indoctrination and years of, of actual misinformation about what socialism really is. And although there are a lot of people who are suffering and who are, uh, uh, you know, in need of better social policies in terms of governmental social policies, we still seem to shy away from that in terms of voting for uh, uh, 
uh, actual uh, candidates who propel that that platform. Um, is there anything that the Green Party could do outside of the electoral process to inform voters about what that is really about? How a social a socialist platform, a democratic socialist platform, can actually help them to move forward societally? Thanks for the call. Well, actually, we're having a series of panels in New York City called Socialist Solutions to Pressing Problems. And it's during the campaign, uh, I guess you could call that electoral politics, but education. I mean, I think the thing that has changed is that socialism was a conversation stopper when I was coming up in the McCarthy era and the Cold War. Now it's a conversation starter. You look at the public opinion polling, a majority of Democratic Party members are at least socialist curious. Seems like a majority of millennials are pro-socialist. And I think it's time, now that it's a conversation started, to have that conversation uh, in elections and in other forums. And, you know, for me, socialism is economic democracy, and we can't have political democracy without economic democracy because capitalism concentrates wealth in a few hands, and that translates into concentrated political power that undermines political democracy. Thanks. So I'm, I'm happy we're beginning to have that conversation now. Thanks again for the call. If you want to call, uh, we got a few more minutes with Howie Hawkins, the Green Party nominee for governor. You can call at 347-335-0818. Let me uh, ask a question before we take another call. Um, are you expecting, Governor Cuomo was asked about uh, doing any debates in the general election, and uh, he gave a non-committal answer. Are you expecting there to be debates with all the candidates um, in this general election? Will you try to put on debates with other candidates, even if Governor Cuomo is not participating? Yeah, I've said yes to a number of debates, none of which have happened yet. You know, media outlets want to have them. I expect what we'll have, what we had in 2010 and 2014. He will have one late in the campaign, maybe on a night of Monday Night Football, someplace like the last one, Buffalo on public TV, and uh, that'll be it. What I've called for is we should have four debates in four locations, New York City, Capital District, Central New York, Western New York, on four different topics so we can really drill down. The economy, government reform, climate and the environment, and then the social policies, housing, education, health care, civil rights, criminal justice. And I urge media and civic organizations, go ahead and organize them. And there are going to be five or maybe six gubernatorial candidates. I mean, if Cuomo doesn't show up, we'll all be beaten up on him. He won't look too good. People wonder, you know, can he defend himself? What's he hiding? And maybe he'll come to the second one. But I think it would be much better than to have him dictate the terms because, you know, I've been contacted by media outlets and they tell me, well, we'll have it if Cuomo agrees. He can't be put in that position. That's not fair to the voters or to the other candidates. So we're going to take another call for Howie Hawkins. Hi, you're on WBAI. What's your question for Mr. Hawkins? Hey, Howie. Um, I understand the Greens are for legalizing pot. And recently, Governor Cuomo and the state government are doing these listening sessions around the state on it. Um, where does the Greens differ on legalization of pot and the Democrats? Well, it's hard to generalize about all the Democrats because they're all over the map. But I will say what our position is, it should be legalized, taxed, and regulated. And it should be regulated such that it's not taken over by big tobacco or big pharma or big alcohol. That it's a industry in which small businesses can participate, cooperatives, small farmers can grow the crop. And uh, 
I don't want to see it as a cash cow for the state. I don't think we should depend on vices for public finance. But, uh, you know, it should be taxed like other products, not a surcharge or a vice tax, but just a regular sales tax. And, you know, let that business take its course. And I also want to say on the drug policy issue, I'm for decriminalizing the hard drugs, treating personal use and possession as a health problem, not a criminal problem. And that'll bring people out of the shadows. It'll cut the overdoses. They do this in Portugal. You get caught with possession, and you go before a panel of a lawyer, a doctor, a social worker, and they help you deal with the issue. Uh, instead of here, we throw people in prison and uh, don't really provide the drug treatment and other services that addicts need. And that's uh, just filling our prisons and not solving the opioid addiction problem and the overdose problem, the deaths from overdoses. So uh, that's an important area. We filled the prisons with uh, drug addicts, and uh, that doesn't solve the problem with drugs. As many people are using drugs as ever. We only have a couple minutes left with Howie Hawkins, Green Party candidate for governor. Uh, Mr. Hawkins, I wanted to ask, an element of your economic platform is a guaranteed minimum income. Talk briefly about what that would be and why you want to see it. Well, the idea is you build it into the progressive tax structure so that if your income is lower than the poverty line, you get some money. And that can be doled out in, in monthly payments. And uh, it's been called a negative income tax. It just makes sure, I mean, the people, you know, have these long, complicated discussions about poverty. But, you know, the fundamental problem is people don't have enough money if they're poor. And so giving people money so they can, you know, pay their bills and, and support their families is the least we can do. So I would build into the tax structure like a negative income tax. And it would have to be adjusted to things like the earned income tax credit, which does that for people who are employed. But that's the principle. I would love to ask you some follow-ups about that, but I only have about 30 seconds left with you. So I just wanted to ask um, if you had made any outreach or received any outreach from the Working Families Party after the primary in which Cynthia Nixon, their nominee, lost to Governor Cuomo. It does not seem like she's going to continue on to the general election. They're figuring out what to do with their ballot line. I've heard you say you're against the fusion voting system, but did you reach out to them at all about possibly seeking that line or, or get any inquiries from them? No, the Green Party would have got mad at me because we want to get as many votes on the Green Line, and that would split it up. And in 2014, I did make an inquiry to their co-chairs because a lot of their members, state committee members, rank and file, wanted to nominate me too. And I said, well, let's talk about how we could work together to defeat Cuomo. But I didn't get get a response from their co-chairs. Understood. We've been listening to Howie Hawkins, Green Party gubernatorial candidate. Mr. Hawkins, thanks for joining us on WBAI. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed the discussion. And that was Howie Hawkins, the Green Party nominee for governor, running for a third straight cycle, hoping, as Jarrett noted during the interview, to continue this sort of upward trend that uh, the Green Party has been securing in terms of number of votes. And just to reference back, something he said as a goal is not only to equal about the 5% that he got in 2014, but to overtake the conservative party line on the ballot. And in 2014, the Republican nominees for governor and lieutenant governor Governor got about 250,000 votes on the conservative line, whereas Hawkins running on the green line got about 184,000 votes. So that seems somewhat um, in range for him, although we have no idea what turnout's going to look like, of course, in voting trends this year as so much uh, seems up in the air.
Yeah, exactly. And I think it's interesting, you know, the, the discussion about fusion voting is is one that Diane Savino, a Democratic senator from Staten Island, one of the few IDC, former IDC members to survive on primary night, has raised. Again, it comes up basically every four years, this uh, process in New York State. Not every state has it where parties can cross-nominate people. And, uh, you know, the, if, if there were not such a thing as a, as a working families party, as an independence party, as a uh, women's equality party, you could make the argument that the Greens and perhaps some of the other true third parties would be would be doing much better. Uh, but there are those and there have long been those options in New York State. Yeah, we've looked into this system before, and I think it's worth examining further why this fusion voting system really exists and whether it should continue to exist. I think there's a lot of good arguments for doing away with it. Um, I'm not sure that that will ever see the light of day in Albany, but it's certainly, I think, worth considering, um, you know, these parties, some of these parties seem to really exist to push the major parties in a direction, but also just hang around to nominate those same major party candidates on their lines. And I'm not sure they're serving that much of a function for the voters of the state. And you wonder how much the kind of push for fusion voting or the argument for it is itself a symptom of other antiquated elements of New York's electoral machinery. You know, you have a state where you have closed primaries where you have to change your registration way, way, way before an election in order to vote in a primary. You know, if that system were opened up, perhaps the sentiments sentiments that are are you know fueling fusion voting would be would be less less prominent. And let me, I want to talk with you and hear your reactions to what Howie Hawkins had to say. But one more point, at least for me, on this is you know the Independence Party does almost nothing but gives its ballot line away. And Andrew Cuomo has it again this year, but it has hundreds of thousands of people registered with it because they think they're registered as independents when in fact they're actually registered with the independence party. So that shows a problem with the system. And then we saw a very, I think, cynical use of fusion voting four years ago when Andrew Cuomo created the Women's Equality Party seemingly in large part to try to hurt the working families party and did so to some extent. Um, and it earned the 50,000 votes with him on the line that are needed to have the, that ballot line exist for at least four more years. Now, this time around, he seems to not be doing any campaigning around the Women's Equality Party or pushing people to vote for him on that line. So we'll see if he kind of wants it to just die out. And then lastly, Rob Estorino, the Republican nominee last time around, created his own additional ballot line as well called the stop common core line common core learning standards were a big issue then um, which then became the reform party so it's it's messy 